Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, as y'all may or may not remember, we are on like a, a small hiatus. Um, if you have never listened to my podcast before, that's unlikely that you would start with just some random episode in the middle, but in case you are, um, what I do on this podcast is I review, recap, rehash, re all the things of each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the order that they were released exactly 20 years after their original air dates in the United States, which means that sometimes we're on a bit of a hiatus as of now. The Christmas episode of Buffy Season 3 Amends came out December 15th, 1998, which means we talked about it on December 15th. But, um, so it has now been two weeks since then, and it will be another two weeks from today before we get to talk about the next episode, which is called Gingerbread. So I thought I would check in with you guys and not just like completely, for those of you that are listening in real time in 2018, at the end of 2018, um, I didn't want to leave you guys hanging for almost an entire month. So um, I have to confess to those of you that are listening in real time, or those, all of you, I'm pretty sure I announced two weeks ago that I was going to, I, maybe I didn't even do it. I don't know. I, I know I announced it on my radio show. I, I'm sorry about that. I don't have the greatest memory. In fact, it's pretty terrible and it always has been. And it only gets worse the older I get. Actually, it's probably about the same, honestly. Eventually, it'll probably get worse. But um, anyway, I don't know if I announced this on my radio show or not, but I had this, or I know I announced it on my radio show. I don't know if I announced it on the podcast. So I want to apologize if I did announce it on the podcast. I had this plan to do Mixtress Ray Ruins Michael Sarah. I was going to watch three Michael Sarah movies, three Michael Sarah movies that I own, which is why I picked those particular three, which are Super Bad, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I was going to watch those three movies because I used to be really into them a decade or so when they came out. And um, I haven't watched them in a really long time, and I wanted to see if they pissed me off in 2018, because most things piss me off in 2018, you know? We really have, like, socially progressed at a quick pace in the last five to ten years, I feel like. I feel like we were slow as molasses in any kind of, at least in, I think the internet has taught us to be more inclusive in our language and start thinking about things in a more inclusive way, even though we haven't made a whole lot of changes yet. But the, but I feel like, you know, even pop culture has advanced to a certain degree, to enough of a degree that if you watch a movie from like 2003, it feels dated in its treatment of minorities. So, um, those particular movies were movies that I loved a lot and watched them over and over and I had a little bit of a crush on Michael Sarah, so I just thought it might be fun to explore how I felt about those movies now. However, as of the recording of this, it is four days after Christmas and there's just been no time for me to do stuff like that. So I have not watched any of those three movies. I have not watched the four DVDs that I checked out from the library 
before I started my like week and a half vacation after Christmas. I've just been spending, <laughs> it's weird, like anytime I'm not around my family right now. So basically what I'm going to do today, I'll go ahead and just tell you that before I start babbling for an hour. I'm going to do like kind of a what's up with Mixtress. I'm going to do sort of a reflection over the year 2018. And we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about some of my resolutions for 2019. So this is going to be kind of a personal podcast, but I'm also going to talk about the Buffy comics. So if you don't know, the Buffy comics started in, I believe, 2007. So they started four years after the show ended and they're canon. They're, um, a lot of the times they were written by Joss Whedon himself. I think maybe he came up with the overall story arcs and then hired other people to write most of the story. I assume. I actually don't know for sure. But they started in 2007 with season eight. So the Buffy show went through season seven and then the comics picked up with season eight and season eight went from, I'll get into all those details in a bit. Anyway, just so you know what's coming, I'm going to babble about myself for a while and then we're going to talk about the Buffy comics. There's going to be lots of spoilers for the Buffy comics. So when we get to that point, of course... I'll warn you and you can stop listening if you don't want spoilers for the Buffy comics because a lot of people just haven't read them, but they're interesting because, you know, they pick up right where the show left off and they go in a lot of places that, you know, the show could never have done because it's comic books. So they can get as crazy as they want because all they have to do is draw it, you know? Um, so I'm going to talk about that. There's going to be lots of spoilers, but first let's talk about my life. <laughs> so in the last, basically starting with last Sunday, every single moment of every day through Wednesday was just me being around family or doing things for family. Um, and just constantly being around other people. I had a moment on, I think it was sometime on Wednesday where I was sitting by myself and I just suddenly realized it was the first time I had been alone since like the Saturday before. <laughs> so if you guys know me at all, I'm an extreme introvert. Like I basically want to spend about 75% of my time completely alone. And it's, I have problems with empathy. Like, and it's my perceived empathy, like what I think people are thinking. I'm sure it's inaccurate a lot of the time, but I like get really stuck in the details of how I think the people around me are feeling and it paralyzes me. So it's easier for me to be alone. And I think a lot of it, part of it is because I'm autistic. I think a lot of autistic people can relate to that. So needless to say, I am psychically exhausted right now. I, I put my phone on airplane mode this morning just because I was like, I have people coming over tonight. Maybe I don't actually know because one of my friends is sort of ghosting me. Like he said he was going to come over, but he's one of those people that like, he wants to make plans with people. But then whenever it comes to the, the time when it's a few days before those plans are actually going to come to fruition, he just stops answering your texts and is like, okay, I guess he's not coming. And it's kind of, 
annoying at the moment because this particular group of people is it's just four of us it's just me and my michael and two other people and we meet like once a month or so and play take turns playing different games like board games and sometimes video games and you know just games we had a bout where we were doing dungeons and dragons together but um most of us were pretty terrible at it so that got dropped pretty quickly anyway so there's sort of an uncertainty in the air for me this particular day because if people really are coming over tonight then i need to clean the house and get ready for people to come over tonight but since i don't know for sure if one of them is going to show up and since we're such a small group of people like we might just cancel the whole thing if one of the four of us isn't going to show up you know so i'm just like and then i turn my phone into airplane mode so i don't even know if he's tried to contact me <laughs> i just like i am also being antisocial. i don't know anyway i'm just really overwhelmed and this is my last today is my very last chance until I have to go back to work after a week of vacation, a week and a half of vacation. Today is my last moments of alone time because being that um, my Michael has his weekend every Sunday and Monday and Tuesday is New Year's Day, so he'll be off on that day. Um, I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking to another week. It's just, I don't know about you guys. But the holidays exhaust the fuck out of me, just emotionally and psychically. Because, like, it's two weeks of your life where your schedule is completely thrown off. You know? <laughs> where everything's weird. And some of it is like you're living in some sort of strange fantasy land where things aren't real and you feel like you know nothing really matters so so i don't know like some of it is in is cool is like weird and fantasy like but it's also just disorienting you know i mean i'm sure everybody has these feelings i'm just like describing the way that the world works but whatever anyway so right now i'm exhausted and i haven't had any time to i don't know why i thought i was that I would have time to watch three movies and take notes and be thoughtful about them. And so I'm sorry if I did tell you guys that I was going to do that because I'm not doing that. Anyway, how are you guys? I hope you had an awesome holiday if you're listening to this in real time at the end of 2018. If you're a person that does resolutions, I hope that you're... I kind of find this time of year exciting. Like, especially once you're getting into the, the sweet spot of like a day or two after Christmas when you no longer have to worry about gifts for people and all of that stuff and you can just sit and think back on your year. I have been, every moment that I haven't been with family in the last couple weeks, I have been organizing. It's weird, like I don't want to do anything else. And I'm not a very productive person. Usually when I have time off I just sit and like watch TV and read books and like do variations of nothing and I'm fine with that but um right now I've been spending all my time organizing things like yesterday I um I needed it all started because I wanted to make room for one of my very my actual very favorite Christmas gift that I got this year my Michael made me this really cool in Photoshop he made me this picture of one of our cats 
standing on top of a synthesizer in space because there's this Instagram called cats on synthesizers in space that I get a lot of joy from. And I actually asked him for this like a month or so ago. I was like, okay, all I want for Christmas is for you to make us a picture, <laughs> make me a picture of one of our cats on a synthesizer in space. We actually technically only have one cat, but we also have another cat on that hangs out on our porch that we feed and she's there almost all the time and I'm pretty sure she doesn't have a home. So I consider her one of our cats and she'll eventually probably come inside. But um, that was the one that he, it was our porch cat that he um, made this awesome, he's really great at Photoshop. He even put like a, in the reflection of her eyes, he like, put some of the galaxy from the background into her eyes. It's really cool. Anyway, so yesterday I spent hours just because I wanted to put this picture up in my tiny nook, which is what I call, I basically have this kind of oversized closet, which is where my desk is. Um, it's really cool. Like it's, it's just a really big closet. And by really big, I mean, it's like, I don't know four foot by eight feet, maybe. I'm just, I'm in it right now looking around. Um, and it actually has a little closet inside the closet. So there's like a little storage space, a tiny little door with some storage space inside the closet. <laughs> so anyway, inside my tiny nook, that's where I wanted the picture to go because this is where I sit and record my podcasts. This is where my computer is. You know, I spend a lot of time in here and this is the space where it's completely mine. I 100% control this space and everything in it. So I wanted that picture to be here so I could look at it all the time. But because I have pretty much covered the walls inside my tiny nook with little, you know, with postcards that people have sent me, some of the greeting cards that people have given me that are really cute. I've put them up on the wall, different art that people have given me. And, you know, this is just the space where all of my sentimental, beautiful things are up on the walls. So that means that putting one more picture on the wall, which is like an 11 by 17 picture, I, or maybe it's 11 by 14, whatever, you guys don't care. Sorry, number one of me saying you guys don't care. Um, so in order to put that one picture on the wall, I had to take a whole bunch of other things down, which means I had to find places for those things. And then I had to find places for the things where I decided to put those things. And so it was a lot of rearranging stuff, which every time I do rearranging and reorganizing of stuff, it always leads me to hours of doing that. So I ended up like, changing where I stored a bunch of things and like getting rid of a bunch of things. And basically I've just been in that mode for weeks <laughs> and probably it's because my mom is getting ready to move. So I've been helping her sometimes with that stuff and just like thinking about organizing people's shit is a, like, it's a really emotional thing for me. Like I'm not very good at helping at like manipulating objects in the physical universe is what I usually call it. But once I get started, I don't stop. So, um, I basically don't want to do anything else right now. I just want to organize my shit and it's making me feel really in control of my world too, which is another psychological thing. You know, like I feel in control of my life if I'm in control of my things. <laughs> 
but um, it's been a lot of fun. I've organized a lot of stuff. I've gotten rid of some stuff. Last week at this time, I gathered a whole bunch of crap together and hauled it out to the alley and it was with like a big sign that said free and it was gone within like two hours and it felt so good because it was stuff that I've been wanting to get rid of for a long time and then it was just fucking gone, man. It was just gone and it felt like a giant burden had been lifted from me, you know? Um, I'm very much obsessed with... I, I like to surround myself with beautiful things and with useful things. And I'm, I really have to, it's like really super overly important to me that I love everything I have, which is why I have, I have some problems with Christmas because you end up getting a lot of gifts from people, which is great. Like people are sweet and they give you gifts, but I end up like having a lot of cognitive dissonance with that because like first of all it makes me happy to know that people think of me and they want to give me something but if i don't like it every time i look at it i just feel guilt you know like i know i'm only keeping this because someone i like gave it to me and that makes me feel weird and you know like yeah anyway so i tend to be the type of person that i immediately get rid of things like by the end of Christmas night, I have a pile of things that I'm going to donate to a thrift store because I'm not going to keep anything I don't like because it just makes me feel bad. Um, because I'm very obsessed with loving everything I surround myself with. It's really weird. And I've always been like that. Like, why is it so important? I don't know. But that means conversely that when I have things put together the way that I want them, they cause me great joy. Like right now, sitting inside my tiny nook, I'm getting so much joy from all of the new things that I put up on the walls yesterday, because not only did I put that one picture up that I got for Christmas from my Michael, but, and rearrange things, but I also like went through all of my old greeting cards because I keep a lot of them, you know, when people give you cards for your birthday or Christmas or whatever, I keep most of them. Um, the only time I don't keep them is if they're like super ugly and they don't say anything on the inside. You know, if somebody just signed it and it's an ugly card, I'm not going to keep it. If somebody wrote a personal message in it and it's an ugly card, probably keep it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if it's a beautiful card, then I'll probably keep it. So I went through all of those greeting cards yesterday and put them in a new spot and I got rid of a bunch of them that, you know, didn't, weren't really that meaningful to me. And some of them I set aside to like hang up because, you know, greeting cards sometimes can be really cool and creative. And like this one, I think my mom gave me, it's, um, it's like an anniversary card and it's, it's a, it's got like, it's got a packet of fries and a cheeseburger with faces on them and it says some, some things just go together and then on the inside you know of course it's you know like a happy anniversary card or whatever but I just took the cover off and I put it up on my wall <laughs> so I'm looking at this cute little cheeseburger and fries and it says some things just go together and it just makes me happy you know like anyway whatever um 
I just, I start babbling and then it's like, I don't even know what I'm saying, <laughs> which is why I try not to make this podcast a personal podcast. Although whenever I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and whenever they, whenever somebody actually does start talking about personal stuff, I'm always so happy when they do it. I'm always like, and sometimes they'll even apologize for it like I'm doing right now. And I'll always be like, don't apologize for it. I love it. I love to hear about like the lives of the podcasters that I listen to. So I'm hoping that some of you might be feeling that right now, even though to me, I'm thinking, God, I'm babbling about the fact that I hung some shit up in my closet the other day. Like who wants to listen to that babbling for 10 minutes? Okay. So do you guys do resolutions? I, um, I always do a lot of them and they're usually very intricate. Like I spend a lot of time at the end of the year, every year thinking about, thinking about the last year and what I want to do differently. And I think that's important, but the act of resolution making, I also think is important. However, I also think it's important to forgive yourself when those goals no longer matter to you. So that's something that I've just learned in the last few years is that you don't always need to obsessively stick to the things that you created for yourself at the beginning of the year or the end of the year before, you know, often I will look back every year. In fact, I will look back at all the resolutions that I wrote down the year before. And several of them will be things that like, don't matter to me at all anymore. And I'll still feel guilty for not achieving those goals. And I have to remind myself, I don't need to feel guilty about this because it's not important to me anymore. Like it was important to me a year ago for some reason, but it's not important to me now. So I like to make resolutions with the caveat that, you know, a lot of them aren't going to be important to you anymore three months from now, six months from now, a year from now. And that's okay. It's okay to reassess. You don't have to like make absolute promises to yourself right now. I mean, do it for sure. Make absolute promises to yourself right now. But if those promises are no longer a priority to you in six months, or if you haven't been doing them at all and you don't feel like, and all you're doing is feeling guilty about the fact that you're not doing them, give yourself a break and let it go. Like every year on Goodreads, this is just a stupid example, but every year on Goodreads, I do the whole like reading challenge thing for the year. And I'll usually pick... 35 or 40 books that I want to read per year. It used to be 50, but every year it seems like I read less, which is sad, but it's true. So I'll pick 34, 35 or 40 books as my general goal for the year. And almost every year at some point, like two or three months before the end of the year, I readjust that goal because you can, it lets you readjust it. I don't know how late you can readjust it, but it lets you readjust it throughout the year which is great because then you don't have to feel bad. Like, you know, I think I set my goal. I might've set it at 40 at the beginning of the year. And then I changed it to 35. And then about a month ago, I realized I wasn't going to make it. So I changed it to 32. I was at like 30. So I changed it to 32. And now I have just as of right before recording this podcast, I read my 32nd book of the year. So 
I have achieved my reading goal because I adjusted it. You know, if I was still sticking to the fact that I probably originally set it at 40, then I would be feeling bad about myself right now. But there's no reason to feel bad about yourself when it's too late, you know? Anyway. Last year, sorry, usually I pause it when I take a drink, but I didn't do that this time. Last year, I had many, many goals. <laughs> and I like to laugh at myself at the end of the year when I don't achieve my goals, which most of the time I don't. Like I achieve a portion of my goals every year, but not all of them. So I was trying to, it's funny because every year I have the same thing. Like I try to keep it simple and not get so complicated. Every year I do that, but every year I still make it complicated. <laughs> so um, I did have several goals last year um, that I did not achieve. I like to think back on the things that I accidentally did achieve that I didn't even think about in the beginning such as um, I ended up doing one of the Camp Na National Novel Writing Months. They do like a Camp NaNoWriMo, which is just sort of a baby NaNoWriMo, like NaNoWriMo is usually November. Um, but they do like a little baby one where the goals are more, you can just set them yourself. It's not a set word count like it is in November. They do that on in every April and July. And I did Camp NaNoWriMo April this year. And basically the goal that I set for myself was just to fill one composition notebook of just like journaling and free writing, which is most of the writing that I do is journaling and free writing. And so that was my goal, fill one composition notebook in the month. And I did it and it was super fulfilling. Like it reconnected me to my love of writing. And it's just, you know, it was enough filling an entire composition notebook in a month is enough that you do have to sit down and write for at least 20 to 30 minutes every night. Um, or for me, it was like that. And, you know, it just gave me some time to just some me time. Like I would just sit down, listen to music and write. And it was just so wonderful and I enjoyed and I enjoyed it so much, but that wasn't something that was one of my resolutions, but it was something that I did and I'm really glad I did it. Um, one of the things I was not expecting to do is I quit my radio show. I didn't quit my radio show, but I scaled it back to monthly back in like October. And I did that only for about a month and I hated it. So that was something that I wasn't planning to do and I didn't enjoy and I ended up resuming my radio show weekly. But if I hadn't done that, like I'd been thinking about it for a while, like maybe this radio show is taking up some of my creative time that I could be using to do other things such as work on the podcast or my YouTube channel. And like, maybe I just need to stop because I spend a lot of time on my radio show every week, but after quitting, after I kind of, at first, you know, the first couple of weeks, it was like, it felt like a vacation, you know, like, Hey, I don't have to work on the radio show right now. Yeah. And then it just got really sad and I hated it. So I resumed and I'm really glad I resumed, but sometimes you have to quit something to realize that you shouldn't have quit it and go back to it, you know? And I think that's okay too. And that was not something that was planned at all. I also, I read this book this year called Personal Stereo. 
which is basically like a history on the Walkman, the personal stereo. I mean, most people call them Walkmans, but you know what I mean? The personal cassette um, player. And it really got me into cassette tapes again. Like I ended up buying a new tape deck, which is a really great tape deck. Although I have some power supply issues with it that I need to work out. Um, but overall, really great tape deck and I'm very glad I got it. And I also bought a Walkman, which also has some, some issues that I might need a new one because the motor's going out. But it just got me back into cassettes again, basically. Like I started making all these tapes. My mom's friend, Phil, gave me a whole bunch of blank tapes that he had that he had never opened, which was super awesome. Um, I did my radio show. I brought it to everyone directly from cassette tapes for a couple of months. And that was really fun. And it was just like this whole little like three month detour into the world of tapes that I got so much out of and I enjoyed it so much and it made me really happy. And that wasn't something that I predicted, you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, yeah. Anyway, my point is if you feel inclined to make resolutions, do it. Absolutely. But don't feel bad about yourself if your priorities change or if you know, yeah, even if you fail at something you genuinely want to do, you can always reassess and try to find different ways to do them. Such as, okay, recently, recently I made this goal to do yoga every morning just as soon as I get up, just like before I can talk myself out of it, just immediately go into my um, room where I do yoga and do it no excuses. And that is the first time I've been relatively successful with a fitness goal in my entire life. And that's simply because it's the first time in my life I've told myself I'm going to do it immediately as soon as I wake up. I'm not going to give myself any time to get up and eat breakfast and talk myself out of it. And that's, that's all I did. The only change I made every year, I make a goal to like do some sort of workout video at least three times a week or something like that. And it always seems like such an easy fucking goal, but I never do it because it's always just, just do it a few times a week. God. And it didn't have, you know, it wasn't a concrete plan of a certain time every day. And so I think the fact that I made it as soon as I get up in the morning is what made the difference. So hopefully I can stick to that. We will see. That is one of my, I guess that's a good transition. I'm going to tell you guys some of my resolutions for the year. So I have nine. I always have way too many and that's me keeping it simple. Stopping at nine is me keeping it simple. And, um, some of them are like, relatively easy ones. Like one of them is go to the dentist. I didn't go to the dentist at all in 2018, which is bad because I have, um, half of my teeth genes are bad. <laughs> my dad's teeth were the worst and I tend to have problems myself. I've had cavities and root canals and 
braces and teeth removed and I have like excessive plaque because of all the spit that's in my mouth or some shit. So I really need to go to the dentist probably twice a year, but once a year I think is a good is a good amount. I think I can handle that, but I didn't do it last year and so I have to like I have to force myself to do it and it's not going to be fun, but I got to do it. Longer the longer I wait, the more not fun it's going to be once I go back. So I probably have a cavity because it's been like a year and a half. So I think the last, I think I had an appointment last December after six months I was supposed to go. And I thought, oh, I don't need to go every six months. So I canceled it, but I never made another appointment. <laughs> so that is what happened. So that's like a relatively easy one. So, you know, I'll, I could check that off next week. <laughs> Maybe. At least I can make the appointment next week. Um, so some of them are easy like that. I'm not going to tell you all of them, but, um, and then I have others that are, um, more difficult. Like my main goal for the year is to kind of fix my relationship with credit cards. Essentially. I tend to be a person that when I want something, I think I deserve it. So I charge it to a credit card. I don't really save up for things. I don't, it's not like I'm not thoughtful about things. Like the things that I get, I'm thoughtful about them. Usually whenever I buy something big for myself, like, like a corset or a pair of headphones or whatever, something that costs, you know, hundreds of dollars. I, you know, I do a lot of research on it before I get it. And I'm usually very happy with it when I do get it. I mean, they're thoughtful purchases, but there are things that I can't afford. You know, I can't afford to drop $250 on a pair of headphones like I did this last year, but I do it. I charge things to my credit card all the time, which means by the time I actually pay them off, I've paid way more than the initial cost of them in interest. And I'm sure a lot of people have debt problems. So that's one of the things that I'm going to try to work on this year. Basically my goal at first, my goal was to pay off my credit cards, but I did the calculations. And in order for me to do that in a year, it's going to be not completely undoable, but it would be like me being destitute and unhappy all year just to get that done. And I know myself well enough to know that if I feel, um, What's the word? If I feel deprived, it's just going to make me give up and go ahead and charge more things to my credit card anyway, which, which would mean that like it, the problem would get worse. So my overall goal is to not charge new things to my credit cards this year. The only time, the only exception would be like some sort of emergency that like we, Michael and I do have a savings. It's not very much, but, um, you know, if there's some kind of emergency where I need to charge my credit card for something like a vet bill or, you know, some terrible unexpected thing, you know, I know I'm going to use my credit card for something like that. If I have to, that's what they're there for. That's not a problematic use of a credit card in my opinion, but I don't want to charge my credit card for any, anything like a pair of headphones or a corset or some piece of stereo equipment I think I need right now. I don't want to charge for anything like that. 
And there's even been times where I'm just like really emotionally exhausted from being poor and counting every single penny that I'll put credit, I'll put groceries on my credit card. That's only happened like two or three times total, but there's just been a couple times where I'm just like, fuck it. I don't feel like counting right now. We need a lot of stuff. I don't have enough money to get all the stuff that we need. And I'm just sick of being hungry <laughs> and I'll just be desperate and I'll buy $150 worth of groceries. And it's just in the moment, it feels so good because you don't have to think about it. Like usually I'm like, I have my calculator. I have my list. I'm, you know, I've got all my coupons and you know, it's just, it's such a chore to go to the grocery store when you're poor to like, you know, configure everything. And it just sucks. It just sucks to walk into the grocery store when you need $75 worth of crap and you only have 40, you know, and that's, that's, that's a situation that a lot of poor people go through and I'm one of them. Um, so every once in a while, I'm just like, fuck it. But I don't want to do that. <laughs> so my general goal is to not put new purchases on my credit card unless they're absolutely necessary and, um, try to pay off. Like I'll be really happy if at the end of the year I have less than $500, um, total. I have two different credit cards. So if I have less than $500 total from both of those credit cards at the end of the year, 2019, I will feel pretty good about that. I'm not even counting. I have a care credit card, which is just, um, and in fact, if there were like a vet emergency, I could probably use a care credit, my care credit on that. Um, I don't count that because like I have a, a big dental procedure that a root canal and some other stuff that I had to get done a couple of years ago um, that I'm still paying off. And as soon as I pay that off, I'm going to have to get gum surgery because I have like receding and very thin gums. So they're going to have to like take tissue from somewhere else, like the roof of my mouth or something and graft it onto my gums. Like I need to get that procedure done as soon as possible. So like, as soon as I pay off my care credit, I will be doing that, which is going to cost probably a couple thousand dollars at least. So I don't count care credit though, you know, because that's not stuff. That's what cr credit cards are for, you know, anyway. So, um, that is my big goal for the year is to like finally fix my relationship to credit cards. Like, and it's going to be very difficult for me. It's going to be very difficult for me once I get to that point where I think I need something right now to talk myself out of it because I'm always going to, I'm so used to talking myself into that kind of stuff. Like, well, I deserve it. Blah, blah, blah. Like, sure you deserve it, but just because you deserve it doesn't mean you can afford it. and doesn't mean you can afford all the interest and like, yeah. Anyway, this is such a basic bitch problem. Like I'm sure a lot of you guys are relating right now. Um, if any of you guys have gone through this and actually fixed your relationship to credit cards and you feel like you've overcome that situation, um, let me know how you did it. 
let me know your success story. I'd love to hear it, especially embarking upon a year in which I'm trying to do this thing that's going to be very hard for me because I've always sort of had this very bitchy, self-entitled mentality that I think that I should have everything that I want. <laughs> and life is short and who fucking cares because money isn't real anyway. See, this is all the shit I'm going to say to myself before I make other big purchases this year. And I'm going to have to forgive myself for doing it, but I don't want to do it. <sighs> Resolutions are hard, you guys. Um, yeah, anyway. So that's one of the big ones. Um, I always create a Goodreads reading goal for the year. I'm going to make it 36 books this year um, because I really enjoy the number nine. And 36 adds up to nine. <laughs> I've been obsessed with the number nine this year, which is why I have nine resolutions. I like it when things are nine. So what other resolutions can I tell you guys about? Going to read 36 books, going to fix my relationship to credit cards, going to go to the dentist, going to go to the gynecologist because I admitted how long it's been on my radio show, but this is a little bit more public. It's been an embarrassingly long amount of time, like way, way exponentially longer than anyone should wait. So I really really need to do that this year. I'm pretty sure that was a resolution I had last year and I didn't do it. I am 36 years old. I need to go to the gynecologist. God damn it. So hopefully I will accomplish that this year. Although that's one that's really, really difficult for me to do. Like I'm sure a lot of women have some psychological issues with going to the gynecologist. I am one of them. It's, it's not fun at all. It's very upsetting. Um, and I know that it's going to be the kind of thing that is, it's going to upset me for, you know, a good chunk of time afterwards. Like, okay, I'm going to tell you a little story. There was a, a few years ago, I didn't have my wallet as I was getting on a plane. It turned out it like had fallen behind the bed of the place that I was staying. And like an asshole, I did not check to make very, very sure that I had it with me before leaving the house. And it was like a two hour drive from the place that we were staying to the airport. So we were going home from Florida. And we get there and I realize I don't have my ID. So when you don't have your ID and you want to get on a plane, I'm lucky that they let me, but it was like a whole big security thing. Like they had to ask me a bunch of questions to verify my identity. They then went through my bag, like as in opened it up and took everything out and went through everything. And I had to be searched. And it was, you know, the way that it was done was the most professional that it could have been done. Like I, I get that it was protocol, like in order for them to let me on the plane without any form of identification, they had to go through a bunch of shit. Um, because we would have missed our flight if I had to drive two hours back to get my ID. And that would have sucked. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. 
so it was done very professionally. You know, like I was searched by a woman who told me, she asked me beforehand, I think she could tell that I was really freaked out. And she asked me beforehand, um, if I had ever been searched like that before, you know, if I had ever gone through that before. And I said, no. So she told me exactly how it was going to work, exactly what was going to happen before she did it. And, you know, it's not like I had to take my clothes off or anything. You know, she was just feeling me up and she was doing it in a professional manner. And she told me exactly how it was going to go. So like, it's on nobody that I was traumatized by this, but I was like for weeks, I was kind of upset by it. And like, I don't know. I was just not okay after going through that. And I'm not sure I've been on a plane since I like, I'm always, ex I feel very violated by the whole experience of going to airports in general. I'm just a very sensitive person, but like it, I don't like taking my shoes off. I don't like going through all the security stuff. I don't, it just always upsets me a lot. And then being in a plane in general, like I have that kind of plane anxiety that a lot of people have, um, which is very normal, but you know, so that just exacerbated the whole thing. And it's, and I had this thought at the time, like I am just a white chick. This is what they put me through when I'm just a white chick and I have I I know for a fact that if I were a person of color they would it's possible they wouldn't have even let me go they would have said I needed my ID and I would have had to miss my flight and make my mom miss her flight because she wouldn't have I know her she would have you know just been really really cool and understanding about it and she would have like said, okay, well, we'll go back together and we'll just, we'll figure something else out. It'll be fun. We'll do a road trip. We'll just drive home, you know, like, or whatever. Like she would have been really sweet about it and acted like it wasn't stressing her out. And she wouldn't have gone without me, even though she could have. But, um, yeah. <laughs> if I was, was a person of color, they probably would have been not as respectful with the way that they did everything, but they were very kind to me. You know, they, they sort of were treating me like they didn't trust me, but it was kind of because they had to, because there were certain protocols they had to go through in that particular situation. You know, I, and it made me just all of that stuff. I just thought about it a lot. You know, just d being distracted by the fact that I know I got off easy, but it was still traumatizing to me, you know, and that's not fair. And so all of that stuff just fucked me up for weeks. Why am I talking about that? I don't even know. Oh yeah. Cause I have to go to the gynecologist <laughs> this year <laughs> and I don't want to be traumatized. I don't want to be touched. <laughs> God, I'm a baby. I don't even know how I get through daily life sometimes. I don't know how I do it because everything traumatizes me. <laughs> okay. So what other resolutions can I tell you guys about? Oh, I just have like a few like little habits that are good habits that I want to keep up such as the radio show, my podcast, um, that, um, getting up to do yoga first thing in the morning thing. It's not an everyday thing. Basically I only do it if 
I am working at the library that day and I don't have to get up super early. So if I have to be there at 9 a.m., I know I'm not going to fucking do yoga. So might as well not make myself feel bad about it if I don't do it. So if I have to be at work at 11 or later, I will get up and do that. Do yoga. So that's one of them. Um, I have um, this relatively new goal that I started. Another one that like it wasn't it wasn't a resolution of mine, but it's a habit that I just started a couple months ago where I, um, every night at 9 p.m., I have a little reminder go off on my phone to do a personal log, which, you know, Star Trek speak for journaling, basically. So every day I write in my journal, and I've been pretty good at keeping that up. I mean, there are days that I just don't do it, but for the most part, I have been keeping that up, and that's a definite goal that I would like to keep that habit, so... Let me know what you guys have for your resolutions for the year. What are the things that you accomplished in the last year that you're proud of, whether you had resolutions to do them or not? Um, hopefully 2019 will be a great year. We will be looking forward as far as the Buffy podcast is concerned. We will be talking about, we're going to finish up season three at the beginning of the year. How many episodes of season three do we have left? Let's see. We will have three in January to talk about, three in February to talk about, one in March, zero in April, and three in May. Okay, that's going to be really weird. Like, I'll talk about it more when we get there, but the the last two episodes of season three is a two-parter, Graduation Day Part 1 and Graduation Day Part 2. Graduation Day Part 1, we'll talk about on May 18th. But then, we don't get to talk about Graduation Day Part 2 until July 13th. I don't know what the fuck they were doing, why they did that. But according to all of my Buffy books, the air date of the first part of the last two episodes of the season was... Who fucking months before the part two? What the fuck is that? That is so weird. And then we have nothing to talk about in August. We've got some dark spots in the year coming up. September, we will talk about an episode called Earshot that actually, as far as the chronology of the season goes, it should have been earlier in the season. But because of... Um, the Columbine shootings, they happened in 1999, right around the time that that episode was going to air. And since it involves a school shooting in that episode, they didn't air it until September. And then in October, finally, we'll get to start season four. So it's going to be kind of a weird year. There's going to be lots of blank spots. If you guys, of course, I'm not going to leave you guys for that time period. At least every two weeks, I will have a podcast episode in those dark spots. And we'll talk about something like, I don't know. What do you guys think? We could talk about Veronica Mars. <laughs> we could talk about, we could do my Michael Sarah project that I plan to do today. Um, I mean, it's probably just going to be something pop culture related that I'll fill in the blanks with. So let me know if you guys have any suggestions for what you want me to talk about. Um, there's no shortage of great TV shows out there that we could dive into and talk about together. So um, let me know your thoughts on that. 
Um, of course, right now we're okay for the next couple of months. We won't have to think about it. So I'll mention that again later when we get, once we get around March where there's going to be several months of barely any Buffy episodes to talk about. So that's a good transition to talk about. I wanted to talk about the, um, the Buffy comics. I didn't realize. Okay. So the way that I read the comics, the comics have been going since 2007 and they pick up where the TV show left off. So if you don't want any spoilers for the comics, I don't remember a whole lot about them, but I'm going to spoil the end right now. So if you don't want to hear that, maybe stop listening. I'll see you guys. Um, for those of you that are going to stop listening right now, our next Buffy episode is two weeks from today. So I will be back on January 12th to talk to you guys about gingerbread. So I will see you then for those of you that don't want spoilers on the comics, which I'm going to start talking about right now. Okay. So I didn't realize basically the way that I do the comics is I wait till the graphic novels come out. So if you don't know how comics work, comic book issues are just those little tiny issues that cost like two or three bucks. And then usually they'll put out a graphic novel, which is a compilation of, you know, like four to six issues or whatever. Um, you know, every few months. So basically what I do, usually the Buffy comics, like a graphic novel version will come out one in winter and one in summer. Usually is how it works. So I'll just like put them on my Amazon wish list. So I remember, um, when they come out to buy them and I just buy them on Amazon when they come out. And that's how I keep up with it. Just like twice a year, I read a Buffy comic. And Buffy comics take barely any time to read. So it doesn't take up a whole lot of my life and I don't think about it a whole much, a whole lot, a whole much. Um, so I had no idea and I don't really keep up with all that stuff. Like I basically just read the comics and that's it. You know, I don't really like keep up with news and stuff like that, which sucks. Like I should, I'm a Buffy podcast. I should probably keep up on Buffy news. Right. But I don't. So sorry about it. I don't. Um, but so I didn't realize the most recent issue of the Buffy comics is called season 12, the reckoning. And apparently the entire season 12 is in this one little comic book. Usually like a season will have, you know, two to five different graphic novel compilations per season. Um, but this one, it's all in one and it was issues one through four on season 12, the reckoning. So I didn't realize until the very end of reading it, that it's, that's it. The Buffy comics are done. I didn't know it was coming. Apparently it ended in September and then they put the graphic novel issue out, um, December 24th. And that is it. Apparently there is, um, Dark Horse Comics has done the entire run of Buffy comics and some, um, other comic studio called Boom Studios picked it up and they're going to, it's not going to be canon officially anymore. I don't think Joss Whedon's going to be involved at all, but they're going to like restart the Buffy comic series as like, they're going to go back to high school essentially. I don't know how that's going to work if, if they're just going to go back in time or what, 
but um, I just looked it up online because I was like, what? That's really the end? That's really the end? It is. So it's going to relaunch in January, I guess. Um, so I'll keep, I'll keep a lookout, a watch for that. But I did not know it was the end when I started reading this book. So I just read it. I just got it for Christmas. Um, it actually just came in the mail yesterday. So I just read it today. And, um, okay. So I just kind of wanted to do like a little bit of a reflection since now it's over. I've been reading the comics. I'll give you like this little fact thing in case you don't know anything about the Buffy comics, just this little short paragraph here from the hollywoodreporter.com. Dark Horse had held the comic book license for Buffy since 1998 and had published a number of titles based on the show before. In 2007, the publisher started a line of canonical continuations of the show. So that's when it it picked back up after the end of the TV series in 2003. 2007's Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 8 was followed by 2011's Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 9. So that's how long it went on. Season 8 went from 2007 to 2011. Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 9, 2011, 2014, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 10, and 2016, Season 11. Um, and then this year. So, And they go pretty continuously, I think. I mean, maybe there were some gaps in there, but overall it went pretty continuously from 2007 to now. And I've read all of them and I own all of them. Um, it has been an interesting run overall. I'm very excited and I think it's really cool. And I've said it many times before, but I think it's really cool when pop culture continues in other forms. Like for example, Veronica Mars, great TV show, only three seasons long. It continued in, it continued in a movie that came out like 10 years later or something like that. And then the storyline continued further into novels. So there's at least two so far and they're really great. They're written by the creator of the show and they're just like, you know, mystery type novels written by the creator of Veronica Mars about the Veronica Mars characters and they're really well written and I enjoyed them a lot and it just made me so happy to see a TV show continue into a movie, continue into a book and like I like it when pop culture I like jumps um, medias like that. It makes me happy. So I always enjoyed the fact that Buffy continued in comics. However, overall the comics have been hit or miss for me. And part of that is because I don't do well with comics in general. Um, it's hard for me to reconcile looking at the art and reading the content at the same time. Like it doesn't work for me as well as reading a book. I've always been like that with comic books. I'm not great at, at, I like don't spend enough time looking at the pictures, I think is my problem. Um, and I'm very sensitive to, if I don't like the art, I'm very distracted by that. And one of the things I'm really disappointed about season 12, this issue that I just read today, I read a little bit of it last night, but finished it today. The art, you know, before I knew it was the very last one, I was just thinking, man, this one's kind of 
kind of a crap beginning of a season. Like, what the fuck? I hated the art because, you know, because it's continuing based on a TV show, like overall the artists that they've employed to do the comics over the years have done a pretty good job at making the characters look like the actors. And that's important, you know? They need, Buffy needs to look like Buffy. Willow needs to look like Willow. Or Willow needs to look like Alison Hannigan. Buffy needs to look like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like, duh. They've done a pretty good job with that overall, but sometimes it's a bad artist and it's distracting. And this last fucking issue, this is the culmination of the entire Buffy series as far as the canon goes. For now, at least. This is the end of Buffy's storyline. The end of her whole storyline. Like, let that sink in for a second. I haven't even let it sink in yet. It's only been like an hour that I've known that it's over. And it's, I don't know, maybe some people like this person's art and I don't want to be an asshole. I'm not going to mention this person's name. You can look it up if you want. But I just thought it was terrible. Like, the people don't even look, they don't, okay, sometimes they look like the actors, but, and it's always distracting me too, that a lot of the time, like the cover, like if you look up Buffy season 12 graphic novel, the cover is fucking gorgeous. It's, it looks like Buffy, it's this beautiful image, and I understand that you can't make every single panel of a comic book look as good as that. I mean, that took some time, that picture. It looks like an oil painting. I'm sure it's not. It's probably digital, but it's beautiful. Like, I'm going to tear out one of the pages inside that is that image, and I'm going to hang it up on my wall. It's beautiful. But I don't think it's the same artist as the person that did the art inside. It's just not good, and it's... I don't... Like, I don't know why they didn't pick... I mean, they've had good artists in the past. I don't know why they didn't pick somebody better. Because this person has a problem with proportions. Like, the heads are really big. And it's like some panels, they really do look like the actors, but others, nothing at all. And the only way you can tell the characters, some of the characters apart, such as Dawn and Faith, they look very similar in the way that this person does the art. So the only way you can tell the difference between them is you have to be like, okay, well, Dawn was wearing a gray shirt and this person's wearing a red shirt, so that must be Faith. You know, like, I don't know. And that could just be me being hypercritical of the art, but just, you know, basically I was just going to write it off as, well, this one wasn't particularly good until I realized that it was the end of the whole fucking series. <laughs> so I'm very disappointed. I think even... Plot-wise, I guess it wasn't that bad. The more I think about it, the more it kind of makes sense. But it's hard for me with comics to feel the same gravity of emotional situations as it is watching a TV show like or reading a book. Because with a comic, it just, it's so fast, I feel. Like, maybe I'm reading them too fast. I probably am. But, like, I just read an entire issue and probably cumulative from last night and today, like less than two hours. And 
it just doesn't, it's supposed to feel like, and the actual plot is the arc of a season of Buffy, essentially. Kind of, I mean, not really, because it's only four issues, you know, overall it's probably only like 100 pages, and it's comics. But it has a lot of the same emotional arcs and weight that a season of Buffy would have, and plot points. You know, without filler, like there aren't fillers. <laughs> you know, there isn't like the cheesy episode about Jonathan or whatever, you know. But, um, you know, a lot of the plot points, it's like, oh, if that was in the TV show, that would really be hitting me hard right now. But it's not because it happened in five panels and that took me 45 seconds to read, you know? Um, and that could, again, just be my own personal issue with comics. So don't take what I say, take everything I say with a grain of salt if you're a person that um, reads a lot of comics because I think I might just not be doing it right, honestly. Um, I like to really, I like plot points, plot lines to be really slow. <laughs> like, I like TV series because you really get a lot of time to revel in character development and storylines and, you know, take your time. I like um, books for that same reason, you know, like a good 500 page book might take you weeks to read and you're like immersed in that world for weeks and I like that time period, but I don't know, a graphic novel, it's just so fast, you're in and you're out. So okay. I just didn't know it was the last one. So, okay, as far as spoiling some plot points of Buffy, just if you want to, just overall the comic series, again, like I said, kind of hit or miss, like a lot of weird things happen, but overall it makes sense for the characters. I think overall looking back on the things that I remember about the comics from 2007 to now, it has overall been pretty consistent like the way that they've dealt with the characters which is what I care about the most is character development has been pretty consistent like for example um Xander and Dawn ended up together in the comics and they have stood the test of time as of the very end of the whole series they um have a kid together and they might be married I don't know if they're married or not I don't know if that happened um, I don't think it happened in the comics, unless I'm completely forgetting it, which is possible. Um, but they have a kid together. And on the surface, just like thinking about that, that seems kind of icky and gross, but it makes sense. You know, they're adults now at this point. I think Xander, I think the way that the timeline has gone, Buffy mentioned in this issue that she was 30. So time has not gone literally because if it had, she'd be 38 now, I think. Yes, yes, she'd be 38 now um, or 37. I don't know. The canon is fuzzy on whether or not Buffy Summers was born 1981 or 1980. Either way, she'd be 37 or 38 now if it was going in real time. But apparently it's not because she mentioned being 30 in this issue. So that means that Xander is 30, which means that Dawn is probably 26. So when they got together, I don't know, in the timeline of the comics, she might have been 20 while he was 25. 
or 24. So not that weird since they didn't get together until they were both fully adults. Um, and it makes sense just character wise that they would end up together eventually. I'm okay with that, even though a lot of times I'm very sensitive to an older man type issue, especially because he saw her growing up, you know, so that, I don't know if I think about it too hard, it is going to creep me out, but overall I'm okay with it. So they ended up together. Um, Buffy had a whole, oh my God, there was a really weird season. I don't know if it was nine or 10. It was one of the earlier ones. It was probably nine where Buffy and Angel spent like several issues just being like these weird super creatures that flew around and had a lot of sex. That was a strange turn. That was a weird plot point. So basically they've let Buffy, as far as her relationships with people go, they've let her just really like, I don't know. Basically, she only had romantic relationships with Angel and Spike. Because apparently that's all anyone wants is for Buffy to be with a fucking vampire, which I think she should be over that by now. Luckily, the entire series ended with Buffy being single. And I like that. I think that makes sense. And I, I liked that about the end of the TV show as well, is that she wasn't trying to be in a relationship with anyone. She was going to spend some time alone. And that's where we're ending at the end of season 12 in the comics as well. Her and Spike were together for a good season or two. Um, I'm shaky on the timelines of this, but they tried to make a real go of it as like an actual relationship for a little while. And that was strange. Like seeing, because at this point in Spike's character development. He's fully a good, loyal dude. And so they sort of had like a normal heterosexual relationship, which I don't know, just kind of feels icky in general. Like, first of all, Buffy's going to age and die and he's not. So we're back to that again. Like that's the whole reason why Angel and Buffy had to break up is because you can't have a, you can't have a great romantic relationship with a vampire if you're not a vampire. I mean, you just can't. And that's not what we need for Buffy at all. So, um, they were together for a while and that was weird. They broke up at the end of the last season, which I had completely forgotten. I completely forgot that until I started reading the beginning of this issue when they were like broken up and I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. There was like this whole strange plot line where they rewrote the rules of magic so that like supernatural creatures were just like everywhere and there were all different kinds of crazy supernatural creatures and it got really out of hand so they had to like change the plot so that they scaled back the magic to like take it back to simpler times again there was this whole plot line with Giles in which he was killed I think it happened in a crossover with the Angel comics. I haven't read the Angel comics yet, but now that the Buffy comics are older, I will probably go back and because they're part of the canon as well, um, just update myself on all of it so that I know, because Faith was in the Angel comics and I love Faith a lot, as you guys know. So in order to really catch up with her storylines, I probably need to read the Angel comics as well. But anyway, 
there was some situation where Giles crossed over to the Angel comics and then he got killed, but somehow he was brought back, but he could only be brought back in the body of like a 14 year old. So there was this like entire like two season arc where Giles was 14. And it was really weird because he like, he had all of the knowledge and the memories of adult Giles, but he was in the body of a 14 year old. So he was also hormonal because he was in the body of a 14 year old version of himself. It was weird. I, I mean, it was interesting that they decided to go with that for a little while, but they kept that on too long. Fortunately, at the very beginning of season 12, he was suddenly back to his normal adult self. All of the artists could not fucking draw Giles worth a crap. I mean, sometimes Buffy looked like Buffy. Buffy looked like Sarah Michelle Gellar. But Giles, not once did he look like Anthony Stewart Head in this whole issue. It was very disappointing. He just did not look like him. He was just so generic like they didn't spend any time giving a shit whoever drew this comic did not have the proper reverence for anthony stewart head i can tell you that right now again i've got this person's name right in front of me but i'm not i'm not trying to like be an asshole they're possibly you know <sighs> i also just like i don't know like i don't care if if it takes two or three times as long to come out with an issue, I would much rather read a comic book where someone like really spent the time to make every panel gorgeous. And I understand that that's like a shit ton of work. Maybe like every issue has to be a different artist so that way each artist can really take months to make an issue really, really great. But like, I don't want to compromise on the beauty of the art. Like it should be, it should be gorgeous. It should be thoughtful. It should look like the fucking actors. And I get that that's a, a weighty thing. Like the Frey comics, if you know about that, it's, it's just like a little, it was like a one-off like arc of like five issues or something like that of a slayer from the future from from the year 2300 something and her name was Frey and it was just it's just started in the comics so with that you don't have to make the person look like anyone in specific so I get that that's a lot easier like when you don't have to make your comic book characters look like real people <laughs> that exist in real life I get that um, I don't know I mean I'm sure it's really difficult to put the same amount of time and energy into every single panel. Like, okay, I need to stop obsessing. <laughs> I need to stop obsessing about how terrible the art is, but it's just so disrespectful to the end of the fucking series. Like, I don't care if it took them another year to put this out. Like they should have paid extra attention to the plot and the characters and the art and everything if this is gonna be the end. Okay, so I'm just gonna like actually flip through it now and tell you what happened in the very last season of Buffy. Just kind of overall. So there's like this whole thing where they have to like, somebody from Frey's timeline from 2300, it messed up the timeline because when, I think the Frey comic maybe came out before the, I think it did come out before the end of the TV show aired. So they didn't know 
They were just doing a story of a slayer from 2300. They didn't know at that point that there was going to be the army of slayers, that Buffy was going to split the slayer line so that there are like hundreds of slayers at a time. So that was not present in the 2300 storyline with Frey. So it messed up the timelines and they did some stuff to try to resolve that in the comics and they're doing it here as well. Like there's this whole thing where Frey has a twin brother who for whatever reason, when she got called as a slayer, he ended up with like the memory of other slayers, which apparently all slayers have, which they never really dealt with in the Buffy TV show, but whatever, whatever. <laughs> they could have dealt with that more and that would have been an interesting storyline. Anyway, so for whatever reason, Frey's twin brother got the memories of the slayers, but Frey got the power of the slayer, but she didn't get the memories. And um, then her brother got turned into a vampire at one point. So the entire arc of season 12 is Frey's brother from 2300, whatever, is now a vampire and he wants to take over the world and he's going to time travel. He's got this whole plan. I didn't really understand it all, but he's a big threat because he's the twin of a slayer. And later he steals all the like power of all the slayers from the scythe and he's able to have the power of the slayers even though he's a man because he's the twin sister uh twin brother of a slayer i don't know it's anyway so he's the big bad buffy or dawn and xander have a kid together they, the art, the artist actually did a good job in the first panel. The first time you see the baby, it kind of looks like it could be the child of Xander and Dawn. So sometimes the artist takes the time, but not always. There's a stupid ass, there's a couple of stupid ass jokes with Xander in this book that I did not enjoy. There's one where they are showing Don breastfeeding and he makes some kind of Don tells him to stop ogling her boobs while she's breastfeeding their fucking child. And he's like, but they got so much bigger. I'm just in awe of the wonders of nature. So overall in the comics, Xander has evolved and not been like an asshole that we hate. But in this book, he was going back to his roots because that was just one of like at least three or four stupid ass Xander is a sexist asshole jokes. There were several of those. Um, also, overall, I think the comics did an okay job at, especially in the beginning, they talked about the storylines of several of the other slayers and a lot of them were slayers of color. But this book... Again, just going back to its roots, it's basically 100% white people. Like, the only time you see people of color is at one point they need to call on, like, the army of slayers, and in the background there's a couple of slayers of color. But that's it. Overall, this story is just white people. It There's sexist jokes coming from Xander. It's, it's definitely going back to the roots of Buffy, but not in a good way. Um, Xander, by the way, still only has one eye. Okay, the entire fucking series has culminated with season 12 and Willow can like fucking 
time travel. She can change the world of magic. She can do everything. But it has never once been discussed why she won't fix his eye. Even if they weren't going to fix his eye and they were going to let him do the whole pirate patch thing, whatever the fuck. Even if they decided to keep going with that, which they have. They could have at least peppered in one little moment where Willow says, you know, I can fix your eye anytime, right? And then Xander could just make some stupid comment of, like, he thinks it's cool to have the eye patch. It would have taken one fucking panel of one of these comics in the last 11 years. And I would have remembered that because I'm obsessed with that particular plot point of Buffy. Like, I don't even like Xander that much, but all the things that Willow can fucking do with magic, all the things that they've had her do over, especially in the comics, they've had her change the fucking world several times over and they can't fix Xander's eye. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to take a deep breath. Okay. All right. So Spike shows up at some kind of housewarming party because Willow and, or, Dawn and Xander live in like the suburbs now or whatever. I just realized Willow doesn't have a single romantic relationship in the entirety of season 12. Like in some of the earlier seasons, we do get her having relationships. You know, we saw her having a relationship with Kennedy in the beginning, but they didn't really make it very long. She had a relationship with a couple other women throughout the comic series. But in this last issue, she has, there's absolutely zero discussion of her wanting a relationship, seeing any of her exes, or whatever. When we see Buffy, like, dealing with Angel and Spike a lot in this, because Angel comes back pretty early on in this in the book, and then there's just a lot of, like, her having emotional conversations with Spike and or Angel, blah, blah, blah. But you get nothing as far as Willow's relationships. So this book, taken on its own, is very white, very heteronormative, very basic bitch with a couple of moments of unneeded sexism thrown in. You don't even get a great moment between Buffy and Giles. There's like this little moment where it's like, it's the end and Giles says something really sweet to Buffy because he thinks she's going to go to hell forever. And he tells her, oh, I never had kids because uh, you have surpassed all expectations that I could have ever had for a child. And there's, that's the only sweet moment between Giles and Buffy in this entire book. And it's just like really rushed. I thought I was just going to talk about this <laughs> book for like a second, but apparently I have a lot more thoughts on it than I thought I thought. I thought I thought I thought. Okay, I'm just going to flip through and tell you my thoughts as we go, I guess. Illyria comes in. This is interesting because you may not know who Illyria is if you haven't watched the entire series of Angel and if you haven't kept up with comic books. I do not know what has happened in the Angel comics, like I said. I haven't read any of them, but Angel shows up and it's pretty much immediately revealed that he is with Illyria now. That sounds really odd because Illyria is like this ancient demon that inhabited the body of Fred, who was a lovable, she was basically the Willow equivalent character on the Angel Show. She's very lovable, probably 
more lovable than Willow ever could be, actually. And so this demon took up house in her body and kicked her out. So she was dead. She died. Fred died so that Illyria could take over her body. And she was evil, but like over the years she's redeemed herself. So, I mean, I guess if I was reading the Angel comics, it might make sense to me that he ends up with her, but just like seeing it as a crossover at the end of the Buffy series when I've just been reading the Buffy series and I knew nothing about however that relationship has developed over the years, it seemed odd. But Angel's with Illyria now. Um, Buffy and Spike are broken up, of course. Dawn is drawn really terribly. Like, her and Giles are probably drawn the worst. Well, Angel looks pretty bad, too. Okay, they all look bad. Sorry. Sorry. They do. Um, sometimes Buffy looks like Buffy. But other than that, everybody else, not so good. Not so good. I need to stop getting distracted by that. Um, Faith shows up, which is great. There's lots and lots of fighting. Like, this whole issue is just a lot of action. There's just a lot of fighting demons. And some of it was just confusing. Some of the covers are really gorgeous, though. Because, like, in the graphic novel, when at the beginning of each issue, they show you what the cover looked like. And they're, the covers are always like... Okay. I don't know. It's, it's a bunch of timeline shit in this book because they have to go to the 2300s to get Frey to come help fight her twin brother in the current time and without I don't know so they're going to be changing the future so they have to be really thoughtful about how they change the future but because her twin brother has all the memories of the slayers he knows exactly what Buffy's going to do which they've never acted like the memories of the slayers are that much but in this book like their whole there's like this this little plot line where like every slayer has the memories of all the former slayers and for whatever reason like a man can't handle that which is why they explain that's why a slayer has never been a man because a man can't handle the memories of the other slayers and the power of being a slayer at the same time like they would go crazy <laughs> Which, I'm fine with that being an explanation, but they just threw that in at this very last book. I mean, that's something that we would definitely need to know about before season 12. Like, the fact that they just threw that little thing in there at, in this book, I think is kind of dumb. But I'm okay with that as a plot point. They just should have told us about it way earlier. Harmony is in the future. Somehow she has survived into 2300 and she's become like the queen of something i don't know and she's just there for exposition purposes and she doesn't look like harmony at all at all not even close okay just just in case you guys are wondering uh oh god there's this awful sexist moment where okay Dawn and Xander are fighting about, like, who's going to be in the final battle, whatever. They're both like, no, you can't do it, me, me, me. But Dawn, since she's the key, like, and this is kind of cool, actually, over the course of this, the seasons in the comics, we find out that Dawn can um, open portals. So because she's a key, she was born as a key. 
she can open portals to other worlds and she's gotten better at controlling which portal she opens and um, that kind of thing and that's been a cool development we've seen Dawn actually become useful um, and not just you know be a damsel in distress like she was in the series she was just pretty much always the damsel in distress but we've seen her become a really cool character over the course of the series which that's nice so um, she's kind of needed in this situation like Illyria's there to deal with the time shift stuff and Dawn can open a portal. Dawn can open the portal to the future world and Illyria, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> They're both needed. So Dawn's needed and she's like telling Xander to go home and take care of the kid. The kid's name is Joyce, by the way. <laughs> of course. Um, and I guess... Oh, and at one point, Xander actually says, I'm the man, Dawn. I do the fighting. <laughs> wow. I mean, Xander's always been an asshole, but he's never said something that flagrantly, baldly sexist before. I'm the man. I do the fighting. I mean, that's, that's beyond. <laughs> God, overall, this book is just not very good, and it's supposed to be the last one. And they've done, overall, they've done a good job. Like... Over the course of the comics, seasons 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, there's really only been two seasons that were kind of like, what the fuck are y'all doing? There was that one that I told you about where Buffy and Angel fuck for like an entire season while they're superheroes in the sky. They're like super gods. It's a weird thing. So that was weird. There's a couple other like, what the fuck are you guys doing moments but as far as a whole season just really dropping the ball, this is the one, the only one out of the whole season. Dropping the ball. Dropping the ball. Okay, so obviously I have higher expectations for it knowing this is the last season. But still. Then the mayor is there for some reason in his snake form. I don't know why, but he is. So he's one of the big bads. He's working alongside Frey's twin to take over the world or whatever the fuck. But actually he's just a pawn because Frey's twin ends up killing him as soon as he gets the Slayer's powers like he wants. There's this whole moment where Faith is going to sacrifice herself. So that's, I think, meant to be the culmination of her redemption arc where she... Like they, at one point they think that the only way that they're going to save the timeline, the future, everything, the Slayer line is if Buffy goes to hell with all of the creatures that they're fighting and then she stays there and she never comes back. I don't, it's, it's a whole thing. So Faith thinks, you know, maybe I'll just go in her place. Like it doesn't have to be Buffy. Like, I've done all the damage I could do in this world. And, you know, it's the whole big speech of, like, I'm a better person now. And it's because of you guys. And, like, I was really fucked up whenever I showed up in y'all's lives. And I'm way better now. And, like, this is, I need to do this. But then, for some weird reason, because Buffy was the original Slayer, like, it can only be done by her. So, that was moot. <laughs> So we were, I was going to be kind of sad if that happened though, actually. I was going to be like, what? Faith just has to go to hell now and be in hell for all time? I was really pissed off when that almost happened, but luckily it didn't. 
Um, what else? So they decided to take the power of the scythe, which is what originally created all the multiple slayers, and reverse the process. So basically they were going to funnel all the power of all the slayers into the scythe again, and they were going to make Buffy into like an uber slayer and send her to hell with all the creatures. That was the big plan towards the end. But then Frey's twin shows up as they're doing that spell and he takes all the power from the scythe. So he ends up like all the other slayers lost their powers, except for Buffy. And he took the power of all the slayers into himself in that process somehow. And then he was like unstoppable at that point, of course. But then they figured out how to stop him, of course. I don't even know how they did that, but I think, I don't know, it was kind of clunky because somehow all the Slayers got their power back and they fought the twin guy and it was just all a big mess and I don't even understand exactly how it happened, but it happened. They defeated everybody. It was fine. No one died. No one important died. I mean, there were lots of Slayers in the background that were dying which was the only reason why they were there. Let's like, let's gather an army of slayers. You don't know any of these bitches names and you're going to watch them die during this big battle. So that was fucked up. Then Illyria turns into her original form, which I don't know if we ever saw in the Angel comics, but this is the first time we've ever seen them, seen her original form in the Buffy comics. That was weird because she's just like this big tentacled, scary, I don't know super scary <laughs> and Angel's all emotional because she's gonna do the whole going to hell thing instead of I don't know she ends up going through the portal and going to hell and leaving Angel behind um oh okay so I don't know Okay, that's how they defeated him. Okay, I totally forgot. I don't, like... So, because of that whole setup of both the memories of all the Slayers and the power of the Slayers cannot coexist within a male body at the same time, apparently when he stole the power of all the Slayers from the Scythe, that meant that he was then dealing with both the memories and the power inside a male body, which apparently can't handle it. And he went insane, like immediately. So he had the power of the Slayers and he was going to kick all of their asses and it looked really dire. But then all of a sudden he was like hit with, you know, the convergence of the memory and the power. And he just went insane and that left him vulnerable enough for Buffy to kill him. So, and then when that happened, all of the power of the Slayers, like, leaked out of him and went back to the Slayers. So, I guess. I assume. They didn't even show. Did they even show any other Slayers? No, because they told them, she told them to run right before their powers were taken away. She told all the other Slayers that were still alive in the battle to run. So they were gone, so they didn't even have to draw them in the background. No people of color in the end, because they weren't even in the background. Fuck. Then they send Frey back to her timeline in the 2300s, and it's a completely different world. No one even remembers her, because, you know, like, all 
it was a pretty dystopian post-apocalyptic world that Frey lived in. It was a pretty dire situation that her world was, that she was in, in her world. So when she was sent back to the future after they fixed all this shit, it was just a much cleaner, more beautiful world. And it was like, she never existed in it because, you know, which finally resolved the timeline, I guess, because there are multiple slayers in the future Frey world. And she like, apparently like the watchers council has been revamped by Giles, which he had talked about doing in the book. And so when she comes back, like nobody remembers her and it's not the same world that she came from before, but then the slayers show up and you know, since they've been taught the history of Frey and all that shit, they're like, we know who you are. No one else is going to remember you, but you're our family, blah, blah, blah. So that was a cool little scene actually when Frey went back to her world. And then there were like, and those slayers actually, two of them were slayers of color. One's Asian and one's black. So that was cool. That was like the only moment of any characters. That was literally the only moment in this entire book, book where any characters of color spoke. So at least we got that, but, um, and those were just the other slayers from the future that introduced themselves to Frey. The ending of Buffy's storyline, her and Faith are police officers. They're training at the police academy to be police officers. There's a lot less evil in the world because everybody's laying low or some shit. So Buffy actually ended up being in law enforcement, just like the... the just like career day told her she would be in season two. Um, which makes sense. I mean, that makes sense. It does. So that's how that ends. There's a hug between Spike and Buffy at the end. They both have this, they have this little conversation about how they both need to be alone for a little while. Um, because Spike has never been good with being alone. He's always glommed on to whatever came along. I think there was a there was a quote of that at the end of the TV series. Um, but you can tell they have real love for each other, and you know whatever. There's also a moment between. There's a whole page of panels in between Buffy and Angel. Angel's like sitting in the dark, brooding because Illyria's gone and Buffy's like, you know, we can go get her anytime. <laughs> and he says that he's respecting Illyria's wishes because she, she decided to go and she told him to just leave her alone and she'll come back when she can or whatever. Um, and he just says he'd like to stick around for a while with her. So I wonder if the Angel series is over too. Like if he's, if at the end of this, he's planning to stick around with her, that means he's not going back to wherever his series is. So maybe Angel's done too. Maybe Dark Horse is just done with the whole Buffyverse. Maybe it doesn't do that well. Uh, okay. So everybody's hanging out and it's like a party? Oh, it's congratulations Buffy and Faith party. So they're all having a party at... Dawn and Xander's house because I guess Buffy and Faith have gone through the police academy. I guess that's why they're being congratulated. So the very, very last panel is everybody hanging out outside 
at Buffy and Dawn's during this party. There's a banner that says, congratulations, Buffy and Faith. Angel and Spike are standing on the porch. Spike has a beer. Buffy is sort of like standing on the stairs of the porch, looking out over everyone. Willow and Faith are talking. Willow's looking at Faith's new badge. She's showing off her badge to Willow. Giles and Andrew are playing Scrabble in the foreground. They're, they're in the very front. And then you see Xander make, making food on the grill while Dawn stands next to him with Joyce the kid. So that's it. That's the very last panel of the very last Canon Buffy comic. Everybody's alive. No one looks like they should look. <laughs> and there it is. Um, <laughs> I feel like I should apologize for talking about that so long, but hopefully y'all got something out of it. And at least I'm not leaving you with complete silence while we wait for um, another Buffy episode to talk about. So this is one supersized episode in between two episodes of talking about Buffy the show season three. So we will be back in a much better timeline because I don't know, this makes me want to go back and read all the comics again, just sort of re-familiarize myself with all of the things that happened over the course of the comics. Overall, I don't remember a lot. I think it's shitty that they didn't give Faith more time in the end or Willow more time in the end. Like we know Xander's whole drama with Dawn, like we've seen that play out over the course of the comics and we know they had a, a moment where Dawn didn't remember anything anymore. There was some sort of amnesia situation where she had to rebuild her relationship with Xander and for a while she wasn't sure if she wanted to go back to Xander and like it was a whole thing and we got a lot of time with Xander and Dawn and the relationship that they decided to embark upon. Andrew finally came out at one point. We haven't seen him have any relationships so the series overall has been very heteronormative. There was a moment, it's probably the whole series of the comics was mostly written by men I'm assuming, there was a moment where Buffy had like a small affair with one of the Slayers. So, and that was really played up for like, you know, Buffy's experimenting. So it wasn't, it was like, you know, she had actual feelings for this person. Like they didn't completely throw it off as lesbian voyeurism for dudes, but it kind of was. There was also, I don't know. Anyway, like I just, memories of the comics are coming back to me at this moment and I'm, they're falling out of my mouth as they come to me. So that this is my supersized end of 2018 spectacular where I talk about the comics a lot. So if I were to rate the overall arc of the Buffy comics, one to ten. Ah, oh, shit. Sometimes they really did a great job. Several of the the novels at the end 
I was just so happy. I was so happy they still existed. Like, particularly recently. Like, season 10 and season 11 were pretty damn great. Season 8 and 9 were kind of... They don't know what they're doing yet. And then this 12... Very disappointing overall. I mean, they could have told the same general story in a better way, I think, if it was going to be the last one. Um, and I am judging it more harshly because it's the last one. So take that with the grain of salt that it needs. Um, one to ten. I'd say overall I'd give it like a six or a seven. Like it was better than bad, <laughs> but not great overall. Um, so if you're trying to decide by listening to this podcast for whatever reason, if this is your deciding factor on whether or not you want to read the comics, probably not the best way to decide that information. But in case you're in that situation right now, <sighs> I don't know. I'd say if your local library has the comics, go ahead, give it a try, see if they're for you. Or if you can get them on interlibrary loan for free. Um, I am glad to have read them. I'm glad that I own them. As far as the Buffy canon, the Buffyverse universe, Buffyverse is concerned, I want to be a completist when it comes to that. Um, I'm kind of relieved to know that they're ending it because, I mean, I wasn't ready for it to be over, but I get why it needs to be over. And I'm okay with it being revamped in another way, like maybe the new comics over at that other comic studio, whatever that was called, maybe they'll be better. So I am looking forward to that, and I'm going to go ahead and see if the pre-order is already available for the first graphic novel compilation of that, and put it on my wish list, because I will want to read that. Even if it's not official canon, you know, like, I'm a firm believer that when it comes to, like, that kind of stuff, whatever you, whatever personal storyline you like is canon. <laughs> You know, it doesn't have to be what actually happened on the show or in the comics or in the books. It can be whatever you want. You can accept fan fiction as your personal canon. It's fiction. It's whatever the fuck you want it to be in your own damn head. You know? But I am disappointed that, like, Willow's... You know, they're so focused on relationships. They were very focused on relationships and the way that they ended everything. But Giles, because he's old, they just don't care to talk about relationships when they talk about him. Willow, because she's a lesbian, they don't care to talk about her relationships. And Andrew, because he's gay, they're not talking about his relationships. Um, and Faith, they don't care because they just don't see her as important enough, I guess. Like, why... Is it just Buffy and Xander that are important enough to, like, I don't know, like, I don't know why I'm focusing on this relationship thing except for the fact that they do that. And, like, the fact that Buffy is committing herself to being single right now was a plot point that they felt they needed to focus on. So why didn't they give any of that same time to at least Willow, you know? 
why have we never gotten any sort of relationship for Giles? The only time we ever get any kind of real relationship with Giles in the comics was when he was when he was reborn as that 14 year old he like went and visited this fairy realm for a while and he had a relationship with a fairy <laughs> that was it that's the only time you get to see him in a relationship is when he's not old like why can't like he can be in a relationship with someone even if he's old that's fine jeez really okay I need to stop because I just have too many complaints apparently with the comics but overall I'm glad they existed and you know you can take a little bit of like what the fuck are they doing when it comes to comics because you know the comics are weird they like change storylines and timelines and they fuck with the universe all the time that's how comic books are you know they go on for decades with the same character so they fuck around with stuff they change the rules I mean that's fine that's how it works and that did happen several times over the course of the 11 years that the comic book went on um, but I don't know what do you guys think did you read the comics do you care about the comics how do you feel about them now that they're over if you read them all the way through I'd love to know your thoughts if um, any of your thoughts resemble mine I'm not the best person to talk about the comics even though I just did it for like an hour <laughs> because I only remember very tiny details because I read them all as they were coming out and some of them I never read through again a few of the issues I have read again but for the most part I've just read them the one time as they were coming out and then whatever I remember from that with my terrible memory is all I got so let me know what you guys think email me mixtressradio at gmail m-i-x-t-r-e-s-s radio spelled the usual way at gmail or you can send me your thoughts via Instagram message on my mixtress buffy Instagram again mixtress is m-i-x t-r-e-s-s and then buffy spell the regular way um, so follow me over there I always post when I have a new episode up of the podcast I will be back in two weeks where we will talk about gingerbread <gasps> the burning the witch episode where Joyce is a complete asshole remember well you're gonna in two weeks we're gonna talk about it so um, I hope you guys had an awesome holiday whatever winter things you may or may not celebrate um, if you don't celebrate anything I hope you just had a great December and enjoyed some time off because if you're you know if you live in America you probably at the very least got December 25th off so um, unless you work in retail if so I am so sorry how awful would that be if not only do you work in retail during Christmas but you also don't celebrate any of those holidays you just have to be around for all of the insanity that is a retail environment at this time of year and not at least like have celebrations in your own life to ease that or understand it at all <laughs> um, I'm sorry I'm I very much appreciate your service if you are in retail at this time of year 
I'm lucky because I'm just a public servant. I work at a library. This is actually our deadest time of year right now because everybody's like out shopping. So nobody's going to the library right now. So it has been boring as fuck at my job lately. And everybody's taking vacations left and right because like we're not missed right now. <laughs> um, so I'm lucky in that respect. But um, anyway, I hope you had a great December wherever you are. If you're listening in real time, I will see you in two weeks. We will talk about gingerbread on January 12th. Bye.